President Donald Trump on Wednesday unveiled a framework for tax reform that calls for sweeping tax cuts and a simplification of the tax code, framing the effort in a speech as a historic opportunity. This united framework proposes to repeal the estate and generation-skipping transfer taxes while also lowering rates for businesses and individuals. Welcome to Insight Briefs, an attorney discussion podcast. On behalf of Wealth Council, this is Patrick Carlson, and joining us today is Andrea Olteanu, Manager of Legal Education at Wealth Council. Today, we're going to be having a first look into this unified framework for fixing our broken tax code. Thanks for being here today, Andrea. Thank you, Patrick. Well, before we begin, I do want to let everybody know that's listening that we do have a supplemental insight brief that goes along with this podcast that we actually published on September 27th, so right after the announcement by the administration. To follow along with that insight brief, the link is available in the takeaway section on our podcast page at wealthcouncil.com slash podcasts. So Andrea, for those of uh, those who are following along, they've got some information there, but for those who just wanted to listen and, and join in, can you give us kind of an overview of the unified framework? Absolutely. Well, basically the unified framework is um, it came about after months of negotiation by, by the big six, the guys from the Trump administration, the House and the Senate. And what it does is it consolidates all of the prior proposals and is intended to serve as a blueprint for tax reform going forward. It... Um, theoretically promises to simplify the code, provide tax relief for middle-class Americans, and just generally spur the economy. Um, it's really, there are no details that came about. It was just uh, a two couple of page memo that uh, itemizes the, in very broad strokes, the, uh, the in bullet points rather than giving any, any significant detail. So what it does is um, it makes some changes on an individual level and on a corporate level. So I'll go over with, uh, with you those um, now and um, see if we can make much sense of what's going on. So it sounds like right now, though, that for, for attorneys that are listening and for their clients, there's not really any specific you know, proposals or very specific things that like, you know, oh, if, uh, if we needed to do some investment in our business that we know very specifically what kind of thing might be expensable or might be subject to a, a different capitalization rule or anything like that kind of specific in the proposal at that point. Is that correct? Correct. From uh, the only things that are specific, if we can call it that, are things like repealing the AMT, both on the on the individual and on the corporate level, um, eliminate certain deductions. But again, there's really not a lot of specificity, so we are we have to wait until more information comes out before any significant uh, changes can be done to to any current planning. Well, so let's talk a little bit about one of the uh, things that I found to be kind of interesting about the proposal was that it actually did call for the repeal of the estate and the generation skipping transfer tax. I suspect that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to a lot of our estate planning attorneys, that if that if that actually were to be enacted into law, how that might impact the world of estate planning. Um, can you give us a few thoughts about where you think that may go, if, if it, assuming it were actually to become, uh, become law and it were actually repealed? Um, what, what impact do you think that would have on the estate planning market? Well, again, you're looking at a market where only 0.2% of, of individuals right now are affected by the, by the estate tax. So I don't think it's necessarily going to tremendously impact the estate planning per se, because people do estate planning for reasons other than just uh, tax planning. Estate planning is quite different than tax planning. And I I'll frankly don't think this has been proposed before. It hasn't come to pass. I just don't see that it will this time around either. But even if it were to 
to to be repealed again because estate planning has so many other considerations it's not really going you're not going to see estate planning attorneys go out of business overnight because of this happening so i don't know that it'll have as tremendous an impact as um as one might think at first blush and aside from that what what it doesn't do at all is mention the gift tax which is also an important uh, facet of this because even without the estate tax people do a lot of lifetime gifting and if the the gift tax is still around then there's still a lot of planning that has to be worked around that and that's so. an interesting point i had noticed that too that it it omitted discussion of the gift tax which implies that at least uh, sort of in the back of my mind as a planner that when i would be working with especially a very high net worth client uh, we obviously would still have to contend with that but uh, there's no telling what's going to happen years down the road if the estate tax were to come uh, roaring back to life uh, and be be brought back, and then we would be back to kind of square one with the need for some tax-driven planning. But to your point also, I mean, really, the estate tax, when it became indexed for uh, inflation with a $5 million exemption, uh, that really eliminated the estate tax as a practical matter for the vast majority of American estates. And yet people are still needing estate planning because people are getting sick, uh, people want to protect inheritances and all sorts of other things. So it's uh, it's worth pointing out. Thank you for that. Of course. You know, one thing that I also thought was interesting was the focus on some of the the business end of things, the, uh, the change to the proposed change to the pass-through taxation that is going to basically uh, propose a kind of what at least I read to be a flat rate of, uh, I believe, 25% on a pass-through entity, so partnerships, um, uh, LLCs taxed as partnerships and S-corporations. What, what do you think that you know, business owners and you know, the attorneys that are advising them need to be concerned about as part of this proposal? Is this something they should be kind of making any changes to at this point, or is this something they just need to keep on their radar? I think keep on their radar. Again, nothing um, has been set in stone at this point and probably won't be for a while, but um, I don't see how it would necessarily significantly change planning at that point either. I think the, the intention here is just to, to simplify things, and um, so I I don't know that it would necessarily have any tremendous impact on on how planning is done. At least in my opinion, we'll see what actually comes to pass. So at this point, you think that uh, it should be, you know, we need to have an eye towards the future. Uh, we probably need to watch the proposal and, and whatever legislative process happens. But for right now, if somebody were to be coming into the office and saying, hey, I'm thinking about starting an LLC, I saw they're going to get a 25% tax rate. Uh, what would your response be to that potential client at this point? Let's not count our chickens before they're hatched. Let's uh, go with what we have, and uh, you know we can't plan for the for uh, based on unknowns. Right now, we have the uh, the tax rates that we have in place, and the best we can do is is work with those. And we'll see if things change, then we can we can consider those and make appropriate changes in the future. But for right now, I wouldn't uh, do any planning based on this proposal. I just wouldn't for various reasons. But we have to wait. We have to wait. This will be met with with a lot of pushback from Democrats, from economists, and I, I don't necessarily think that any of this is, uh, is to be counted on. So so that brings up a, another question that I have about the some of the changes to the individual side of things. Uh, the mm. proposal basically seems like it's trying to cut the rates while increasing the standard deduction and then proposes to remove a variety of other deductions. Um, how does that play out from the standpoint of attorneys, uh, especially, you know, tax attorneys and, and when we're working with our clients, how does that play out for us uh, kind of advising people uh, 
in the in the coming months? I mean, is this just something where we're really just in wait and see mode at this point still, or is this something where we have enough information to be able to take some concrete action for our clients? Well, again, assuming that that these actually come to pass, I think even though we we don't have any specifics on it, but we do have enough information to be able to 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 work with. But the bottom line is that. I don't see any of these things creating such a significant change in what the results would be for any from any planning standpoint. Um, as far as the rates are concerned, like we talked about, or we haven't talked about yet, but we will. Um, it's the idea is to simplify. So we're going from seven brackets down to three. The lowest rate is now 12% instead of the current 10%. But the idea is that when combined with all of the other aspects of the proposal, the lower income tax families will still derive a benefit. Um, so I think again we can we can use what we have to kind of keep an eye toward the future and and come up with ideas for planning but for right now we just i wouldn't say wait and see because even if these come to pass it's not going to significantly necessarily change what we would do today in in from what i can say yeah certainly when it comes to a uh, to an estate planning standpoint when we're designing uh, lifetime trusts for our clients when we're looking at right. uh, the overall structure of how assets are going to be aligned with a plan and that sort of thing. It probably has you know, fairly minimal impacts at this point. I guess on a year-to-year basis, to the extent we're doing specific, you know, year-end tax planning or things, it may maybe we'll have maybe we'll have some oper- unique opportunities for some timing. If we anticipate if this looks like it's going to have some legs and we're going to see a, a reduction in rates next year, there might be some reason to delay some income or accelerate some deductions where appropriate, especially if they're deductions that maybe go away. But for the most part, it's probably not a huge, probably not a huge impact. Um, uh, not a huge impact for us. Um, you know, one thing that I thought also as I was reading this proposal is that many many of our listeners and many of our Wealth Council members are actually small business owners themselves, right? I mean, these are, these are solo and small firm attorneys uh, for the most part who are uh, essentially in business for themselves. And they maybe would be concerned about how this might impact their own businesses, especially the changes to uh, pass-through taxation. Is there anything that we can mm-hmm. glean from the proposal for, for how attorneys might need to be kind of thinking about their own practices as a, as a business going forward? Well, again, the the twenty five percent flat rate instead of the individual tax rates would obviously have uh, potentially a tremendous impact there because you're looking at, you know, twenty five instead of what is it now thirty nine point six percent at the at the top rate. So that would obviously um, be beneficial to them. But until anything is more um, set in stone and finalized, it's not. I wouldn't consider it wise to to plan based on based on this proposal until we we have more information so so what would you advise our listeners uh, to be doing going forward as we watch this framework uh, begin to make its way through Congress well tread carefully and cautiously but again continue on with uh, with the planning that make sense under current circumstances um, and keeping an eye out for what does come down the pipeline. This hopefully will be something that if it does uh, happen, will happen rather quickly and won't sit around for months or longer. And um, we can always work with things as they, as they come down, but I wouldn't uh, take a wait and see approach, do nothing and just uh, sit around waiting for, waiting for this to, to become finalized. I wouldn't do that. 
And that is uh, absolutely great advice. The other thing I would stress for those uh, listeners who are estate planning attorneys is that we can always tell our clients that nowadays we have so many great tools that we can incorporate into their trusts, into their wills that help with flexibility in the future. So one thing that, that I know in my practice was always a concern for clients was, well, if I do this planning and things change, what's going to happen? And we can create so much flexibility now with trust protectors and decanting powers and other features of trusts that we can really create a structure in there that um, can basically accommodate long-term changes. Um, so I think that's something we should also be thinking about. And then, of course, uh, you know, stay tuned to our podcast here. And then also, uh, for those of you who are Wealth Council members, stay tuned to our Word on the Street and Thought Leader webinar series. And we're going to be continuing to discuss this issue as it makes its way through Congress and, and perhaps eventually to the president's desk. Uh, so, Andrea, I do want to thank you for joining me today. And I want to thank everybody for uh, listening to this episode of Insight Briefs. This podcast has been brought to you by Wealth Council. Please be sure to visit wealthcouncil.com slash podcasts to join the conversation, access the insight brief on the unified framework, and learn more about today's guest, Andrea.